What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and welcome to another episode of VGM Generations. With me, as always, is Jordan Blitzky. <sighs> Holding my breath. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and Aaron Blauchuk. Hi. And uh, you are listening to part two of episode 11 of the... And I, I mispronounced this last time. I was listening back. It's not... I said... You said Kosuge, and it's Kusoge. Yeah, with an O. Yeah, I flipped. So it's Kusuge. I flipped the. It's nothing. I flipped <laughs> the. I flipped the vowels. It probably means the opposite. Yeah. Great game. <laughs> it means great game. Yeah. So, so I totally screwed it up. But I fixed it in the title. Cool. So, so yeah, bad games. Bad games with good music. Is, good music is the theme of this month. So yeah, but usually bad games have also bad music. So you know you don't have a huge pool to pull from there. Yes, that's right. Well, this we is, do our best. This is a, rare, a yeah. rare list, so it's tough to go through. I, I asked some of my <laughs> friends for some inspiration, and they all just looked at me with blank stares. <laughs> so I, I got nothing from them. So, but it is. But it's all. Oh, I was just gonna say, like, it's all opinion because I yeah. might, I might love a game that everyone hates, and you know, vice versa. So. Yeah. So this is the, I guess, the IMO series yeah. <laughs> of podcasts. We're in, we're in the case I've kind of been drawing from games that are actually okay, but the music is so good. Yeah, that it, it outshines the whole game by far. Yeah. So last week I talked about uh, two composers that I thought their career was shaped by bad games or um, broken games, games that got canceled, et cetera, et cetera. That was the. Almighty Fall, Fallen Brothers. Mm -hmm. I say Fallen, but I mean fallen. Fo the Fallen Brothers. Is that how it's actually pronounced? Is Fallen? Fo I believe it's Did Fallen. Did we say Fallen last week? The yeah, Fallen I Brothers? Was, I was, yeah, because you was, made a yeah. comment about yeah. how it sounded like a cool movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it should probably be pronounced Fallen, but it's okay. F-O-L-L-I-N. Anyways, the Fallen Brothers, Tim and Jeff, with a, more of a focus on Tim because he's sort of more of the lead composer here. Um Let's. I, I want to continue that trend. I want to keep talking about them because I think there's a lot of great music here that people haven't heard of. A lot of people say that the Fallen Brothers are the best composers you've never heard of. So let's listen to some more. I want to talk about one of the few Genesis titles that they did. This one Tim worked on. Um, it was a game called Time Tracks, and this was based off of a short-lived TV series. About there was a TV series called Time Tracks? Time tracks sounds like this. a great yeah. show. Spelt, you know, very with an X. With an yeah. X. <laughs> of course. <laughs> very, very 90s. Uh, sort of a, sh a show about like future police traveling through time to like. <laughs> you know what this, this reminds me of? This wasn't Time Cop either. On a totally like separate note, this reminds me of. Did you guys ever hear of the show Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd century? Heard of, yeah. I, I watched this cartoon and like. Um, thing, uh, Watson was a cyborg and like. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Probably something similar to time tracks. <laughs> probably. It probably fits with this with the theme of this game. So there was a version that came out on the Super Nintendo um, that was created, um, but there was a Genesis version that never came out, that never saw the light of day, and I tried really hard to find out why, and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't find any information that was that that could be proven. Did um, you find the music? Yes. Oh, so that's, that's all they made. They didn't want to make the rest of the game because the Genesis music was just so awesome. Like, well, here's, here's we the need. thing. <laughs> you know what? It very well, like, we yeah. can never make a game that holds up. <laughs> the, so there was the Super Nintendo version that was widely released, and it got mediocre to okay reviews. And then there was the Genesis version, which I couldn't find out why, but it was never actually released. So the reason why I know so much about it is because all all ties back to Tim Follin, who... You know, it sort of a, has a cult godlike following amongst like video <laughs> game fan composers. Um, just Tim? Just Tim. Tim's, oh. Tim's 
Jim's the one that's done more work. So he's, he, he had a website and he posted the theme song to time tracks that he composed for the Genesis back in 1993. And everybody was like, what? There was a Genesis version and you composed the music. Everyone knew there was a Super Nintendo version that was, you know, okay. Everyone knew it because we all love time tracks. (laughs) After watching the TV series, we were like, (laughs) got to get on that. So anyways, he releases that on his website in about 2012. By 2013, people had already found the ROM and they were making dumps and they were ripping the music. And it just kind of goes to show that there was some word that this game existed, but all it took was for Tim to post one song from the game on his website. And then everybody went out to try and find this like rare prototype for the Sega Genesis and managed to do it within a year. So did you find the ROM? Did you play this game? I have played it. I've, I played both versions. They're both very similar, but of course I played more of the Genesis specifically for this, for this podcast and game is kind of cool, but I would say it fits in the bad category because it's just so bloody hard. Mm. So the story sort of follows around, like I sort of said, there's this future cop that like goes through time to who knows what, you know, fight, fight Hitler or or crime lords or whatever. If you're a future cop, that's what you do. That's what you do. That's Kung Fury right there. (laughs) So um, the intro is awesome because it, it walks you through a bit of the character backstory. The guy's name is Darian Lambert. He chose his own name. That's an awful name. (laughs) He chose it himself. Um, He belonged, he was born of um, what does that mean? He chose it himself. <laughs> like so, his parents gave him a name, and, no, he like, and he's no, like, "No, that's, no, that's terrible." Yeah. Here's a better name, <laughs> Darian Lambert, yeah. which is not better than any name. No. So he God was, knows how. He, well, he was that. he was of course <laughs> the perfect hero backstory. He was orphaned, so he didn't have any parents. He didn't know his own identity, so he chose his own. He went with the name Darian Lambert, and I can't say how closely this ties into the TV series. I imagine fairly close, but so he chose his own name goes through the backstory about how fast he can read, how fast he can run. Apparently he can run the 100 meter run uh, run in 8.6 seconds. I don't know if that's good. That's faster than any person has yeah. ever done it. Yeah. He, his heart rate is like 30. This is Kim Jong-un. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he can uh, slow his heart rate down to 36 beats per minute, and he has the ability to focus time manipulation like the like, this, so this isn't a technology he has he can just this do is just this. him okay. and it says He's he expects He's to, like the flash he yeah. expects to live an average of 120 years and he has this ability called time stalling and that's where the whole time tracks thing comes from and the the main component of the game so um, the game starts with... <laughs> I wouldn't want to be friends with this guy. This sounds like he an sound, awful, awful person. He sounds like a jerk that yeah. nobody would like. Yeah. Oh, look at Darian. He's yeah. stalling time well, again. I'm sure he's like kind of a little brain dead from slowing his heart rate to 36 beats. So. <laughs> he thinks, I'm totally running so uh, yeah, fast, you guys. Exactly. He thinks he's moving at 120 miles per hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, so last point before we jump into the music. So I, t- I mentioned that the, the title theme was the first thing, uh, the first thing that, that, that Tim posted on his website that sort of drew attention to this game and people wanting to discover it. So we will listen to that track, but I do want to mention that there was a very specific sound chip that was designed on the Genesis for this game by a man named Dean Belfield, who again worked with Tim to sort of create the sound of this. Um, and the kind of neat thing about this, maybe it's not so neat once you hear how awesome the song is, um, this sound chip was never used for any other game. It was designed for this game, and 
never was used again for another game because I believe this was the last Genesis game that um, I and I should have double checked. I believe it's Software Creations again that made this game. But when we come back from the song, I'll confirm that. <laughs> so this was the only Genesis game that uses this sound chip. Yet at the same time, of course, it sounds very rock and roll Genesis. All right. So let's take a listen to the infamous title theme that Tim Follin produced for Time Tracks.
Tim primarily worked for Software Creations. I was wrong. This is when he worked on Malibu Interactive. So this was a... Well, I've never even heard of before. No, no. Actually, it's funny because when I saw... When I, when I played the game, now that I remember it's Malibu Interactive, when I saw the logo, I realized... I've bought in comics by this company. I should have done more research on the actual company themselves, but in the early 90s, there was a, um, a series of Street Fighter II comics that were done by this company. Did and this, this company was, become Dark Horse? <laughs> and, well, see, and that's what I, I don't know anything about Malibu, but it's like, this is the same company in the early 90s that was making these like rad games and these and Malibu is such a rad 80s, <laughs> 90s company anyway. Yeah, totally. And then they made Street Fighter comics. What? what? Who company? What company made the? Is Chevrolet right? The Chevrolet Malibu. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, was, Malibu. Yeah, that was the cool car. Um, what was it? Malibu Entertainment. Uh, interactive. Interactive. I yeah, yeah. Never heard of them. This might be the only game I've ever played that I know of by them. Um, I just wanted to mention um, a, a bit more about the game and the difficulty. How it's you know not the greatest game. It has some really neat components, but overall, it's like it's way too hard. I think I set it to easy mode. And I could barely get to the boss in level well, if you one. You had the reaction speed of Darian Lambert, <laughs> then maybe you could. Uh, if I could stall time, this game, and, yeah. <laughs> um, so level one starts with a warehouse, of course. Um, <laughs> Isn't level one always? But and then the music kicks in. Totally rock and roll, awesome music. But there's no Darian. Where's Darian? Well, there's like a window boarded up on the left side of the screen that's all like covered in like boarded up wood, and then crash. He comes rolling into the room and then it's like you start playing the game. <laughs> so I love the fact that he's like classic badass. He like comes flying through a window and then the game starts. He doesn't just walk in from the left. No, he like, like rolls through, through a window. window yeah. Resident Evil style. So. And he has uh, he has like this this zapper that stuns bad guys. So he shoots them. And while they're stunned, he can walk up and using the same button to stun when you're at close range, it turns into like a melee attack. So he like starts punching them. So you're to stun people and then punch them to kill them when he could just shoot them if he had a real gun. He, well, that's the thing. He's a police officer, right? So, uh, so he can only punch people to death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Um, and of course, there's the jump button and the time stalling button because every good time staller needs to be able to, you know, freeze time. Oh, right. The three button yeah. genesis, of course. So I found that most of the game, like they incorporated these elements that forced you to use this time stalling rather than it being sort of like, um, like sort of a crutch or cheat button when you need it, like kind of like an easy button. If something's too hard, slow the game down, but rather they've sort of developed all these areas around it being a mandatory function. So there's like these lasers, um, that shoot vertically and it's impossible to walk past it unless you stall time. So oh, there's a I lot see. of elements like that. So there's it's a bit of a puzzle game. A little bit, yeah, but it wasn't really, Platform, it was designed puzzler, more to be an action style game. Punch him to death game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has a level of badassness to it that reminds me a bit of Blackthorn and the uh, the reverse like shotgun blast. <laughs> if you know that character, he like has this move where he just, he, he, the no um, look. Yeah, yeah, the no look. He turned, he points the gun behind him and he shoots a shotgun without looking at what he's shooting at. This kind of reminds me of that level of badassness where the guy like rolls in through the front window and he's just like, I don't know, punching people and he's kind of like, them. he's kind of like Batman where a he's like, bit. he's so like, he's so talented and so skilled 
and so like op- overpowered that like regular criminals don't even present. This is like a, a very Sue thing. This is totally like this one guy who wrote this story based on himself and how awesome he is. And, this <laughs> and his name is Darian awesome Lambert. It, it I'm convinced it. it's the guy that starred as Darian Lambert in the TV <laughs> wrote, series. Wrote the and game, yeah. He took his paychecks from the TV show and he wanted a game, yeah. you know, and then of course the action figures and all that. But yeah, of course. There's not a lot of information on the game, uh, especially the Genesis version, just because it never came out. Um, but you can get repros, you can play the ROM online. So there are ways you can play the game, even though it never came out. Uh, most of the information I could find uh, sort of funneled back towards the TV series. So I always found it really hard to research the game because they kept wanting me to watch the TV show, which I had no interest in. <laughs> oh, so. you should have watched some of the TV show and then uh, and then came back. In, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I maybe want to know now. Maybe next time I'll talk about it. But I do promise that uh, the next couple of weeks when I finish up talking about the Fallen Brothers, I'll, I'll find even worse games with better music. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. You did you say you have the repro, or have you just played the ROM? Just the ROM. Is the repro a Genesis repro? Yeah. Oh, there are actually. I didn't uh, know that there that was it. a thing. I've never seen a Genesis repro. I have actually. I only have, have one? one Genesis repro in my collection, and it's based off a real game. It's called Mega Man: The Wily Wars. Oh, okay. And I don't want to go too far off topic, but it's essentially Mega Man One, Two, and Three done on the Genesis, which if you think about it, the Genesis was the 16-bit generation console and Mega Man 1, 2, and 3 were 8-bit. So this is the equivalent of Mario Bros. All-Stars on the Mm, Super Nintendo. For Mega Man. But for Genesis. And it's like, wow. And it apparently came out on this satellite service that the Genesis had, much like the the Nintendo Satellaview. it's an official 16-bit version of Mega Man 1, 2, and 3. official, but there was never a physical release. So there's only ROMs and repros, and I have the repro cart. And so I, I wish I could plug the company that I got it from, but... Uh, we should I, play that at your house next time. <laughs> it's good. I played through uh, 2 and 3 a little bit. That sounds cool. It's fun, yeah, yeah. So anyways, time tracks mm. on Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to the Super Nintendo version, it's not as good, so... All right, there you go. All right. All right, Aaron, it's your turn, buddy. All right, speaking of games that are really, really hard to research, my game is so, I don't know, not obscure, but I almost unloved that I could find... Almost no information on it at all. It's just a, a nothing game. Now, the original game is Caesar's Palace on the NES. That's not the game I picked. I actually picked the port of it that came out on the Game Boy. Which is, I'm just guessing, the Whoa. one you played? Which is the one that I played. Yeah. I had this. I have no idea why I bought Caesar's Palace Did you the buy Game it? Boy. I, I don't know. I would Or was I it like one young. of those weird gift games like that your grandma got out no, of the bargain I'm, bin? I'm almost Zellers? 100% sure that I picked this game out. Okay. I wanted it. I don't know if it was because of the uh, <laughs> the pretty dealer that was on the cover. It was, <laughs> oh, I was oh, going to yeah. say, well, yeah, like... Yeah. I, I remember the uh, the girl on the cover, so but... A blonde woman who's dealing yeah, cards and there's oh, like yeah. a roulette table. A lot of cleavage or something? I, I, no, no cleavage at all. Oh. I have no idea why I wanted a gambling game and Caesar's Palace, of all things. But... The original came out on the NES, and I'd never played that version. I played the Game Boy version only. I, I, and finding information about the Game Boy version was next to impossible. I have a whole bunch of things in my notes with just question marks beside them because it's like it was made by a, a company called Real Time Associates, I think. Um, it was actually put out by either Arcadia or Virgin Interactive. There are different versions of the box out there, so it was actually... Oh, maybe it was one of those ones where it was a dual publish, because that, in the history of video games, has happened, so maybe it was like, we weren't doing well, so let's give, let's sell this to somebody else. It was so hard to find, and then I'm like, who composed it? And like, David Hayes composed the NES version, so I'm like, did David Hayes compose the, uh, the Game Boy version? 
And I actually even saw Tommy Tallarico credited as composing <laughs> this. It could wow. be one of those ones where he, he's credited like it, one composed and then one like, you know, made it work on the other console. Well, here's the thing is that I went and I listened to the soundtrack to the NES version today and it's awful. Terrible. Is it totally different? It's totally different. It's okay, not even so the same thing. Not, so it's okay. not even the same guys. What I had to do was I, I went, because in the game, I'll, I'll, let me just describe the game really quick, is that you arrive in Las Vegas and the, the cashier at the window um, gives you $2,000 worth of chips as a credit. Thank, welcome to Caesar's Palace. Here's your $2,000. God, I chips. wish I would just yeah, yeah. cash them and leave. All <laughs> the time. Go crazy. And you <laughs> cash them and leave is what you do all the time. Because the thing about the game is that you basically just play until you have no money left or you win a lot of money. And the game only ends when you A, run out of money, or B, willingly choose to leave the casino. And what happens is you cash in your chips and the vehicle that comes for you to pick you up or for you to drive away in is dependent on how much money you left with. So if you, <laughs> awesome. if you, if you hit the jackpot, then something nice It's like a limo. Yeah. Yeah. If you hit the jackpot, you get like a limo. Limo pulls yeah. up. If you do reasonably well, you just get a car. If you're doing like not so great, you got under 100 bucks left, you get a cab. And if you do like really, really poorly, it's a Greyhound bus. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought it was going to be a tandem bicycle, <laughs> or they throw they, you they out the front door. They don't go down that far. It's like it's a bus because you're driving away from Las Vegas no matter what. So yeah, but it's funny because I don't understand a game where you'd like I'm on a hot streak. I've got a million dollars worth of virtual money. I'm just going to quit now. Why not? Like they could have. They could have. The point. The story could have been that you had this money and you went to the casino like anyone else. But I like how they 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 just. Um, charity you the money. Yeah. They're just like, here you go. I just don't understand why if I had earned a million dollars in the game, why I wouldn't like, all right, if I want to blow the game, I'll just put all my money under like one thing and then see if I can double my money or lose it all. Green on roulette or something, yeah. And it was basically you walk around this casino. You don't really walk around. You just get the floor plan of a casino and you move around a cursor and you can select various things. So there's like roulette and there's like a uh, cursor on slots. the game board? Yeah, yeah. Weird. Just with the D-pad. And so there's like slots and roulette and poker and, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you, you, there was like stupid little things like you see the washroom doors. And if you click on that, you get a close up of the washroom door and you hear a flushing sound. Nice. And for no reason <laughs> at all. Didn't do anything. Uh, or if you clicked on the front door, it took you outside of the casino where it would show like the, the like big marquee of Caesar's Palace and the sign. And it would uh, play like this, this little song. And I would just go stand outside in the game just to listen to the music. There were only like four tracks in the whole game. They were great. They were awesome. They weren't composed by David Hayes, who did the NES version. But thing is, is if you went and stood outside of the casino, it actually did this little sort of credit scroll too, where if you waited long enough, the thing would scroll up this, the Caesar's Palace sign, which was showing time and temperature, fake time, fake temperature. Yeah. And it would show who actually worked on the game. And I, under music, it had two names listed. So I, I got these names. It was Seth Mendelssohn. And S. Clark Wilson. Now, I was in my, as I started, went deeper into the rabbit hole of researching these guys, I, I typed in Seth Mendelssohn, and it turns out he was a designer at Virgin Interactive. He worked on the awesome um, Disney games that came out oh. of the Genesis. So Aladdin and there The Lion go. King. Yeah, which so, we've mentioned. Yes, exactly. We've mentioned those things. But he was so listed he was a designer as a, on those games. And he, he was listed as a composer, composer for this? on this. Hmm. And so I was looking up Seth Mendelssohn, and the weird thing is that it linked back to Tommy Tallarico. Now, I don't know if people know much about Tommy Tallarico. But we've talked about him yeah, too, but yeah. He's behind Video Games Live. He's composed a million different things. Now, I discovered that um, when he was really young, he first came to California, jobless, homeless, and he got a job in a music store, like a guitar shop. And he only worked there three days before getting a job in the games in industry. 
Now, what had happened was on his, on his like third day of work or whatever, he was working there and he was wearing a TurboGrafx-16 shirt. And nobody had like video game shirts, so it was a little rare for somebody to have a shirt like this. And in walks this guy from down the street and starts talking to him. Now, this guy was Seth Mendelssohn. This guy was looking <laughs> okay. up. It was like great for story. Caesar's Palace. <laughs> Comes in there, notices his shirt. They get to chatting, and the guy says, I work, you know, for Virgin. You, you want a job. So three days in, Tommy Tallarico gets a job with Virgin Interactive. As a, a game, at a ga- as a games tester originally. Okay, okay. Q&A. And it was all yeah. because of that shirt. It was all because of that shirt. So he's working there as a game tester, and then he starts bugging the VP of the company to compose music. He starts pestering him for several months. And then the VP is this guy named S. Clark Wilson, who is the other composer on the Game Boy version of Caesar's Palace. So it turns out that the guy who gave Tommy Tallarico a job was the one composer on Caesar's Palace, and the guy who actually gave him a shot in composing music in video games was the other composer weird. on Caesar's Palace, which is super weird. I wonder if they just got the title wrong. Like, we need maybe to, like, they weren't under call composer. Tommy Tallarico <laughs> and be like, what's the deal with Caesar's Palace? <laughs> well, that's the thing. is like everything in his life seems to come back to Caesar's Palace, even though he didn't specifically do the music for it, unless he did it in those super early days, yeah. and it was still credited to his producer and the VP of the company. But it sounds like from researching these guys, it sounds like they actually did composing and arranging. Though one happened to be like this producer and one happened to be like the VP of the company. Yeah. Which I just thought was really funny. So Tommy Tallarico actually owes his whole career to these two Caesars Palace guys. Yeah, there you go. That's and very cool. <laughs> one other thing I learned about this uh, S. Clark Wilson, all Dr. S. Clark Wilson. <laughs> yeah. He uh, was the producer on one of the most ridiculed NES games of all time. And Jordan, you probably heard of this one. It's called Color a Dinosaur. Heard of this one, yeah. <laughs> it's a coloring book, essentially, yes. with dinosaur pictures. For ages three to six. Yeah. On which console? On NES. Okay. It was a coloring book on NES. It's been described as like a million times worse than Mario Paint. I <laughs> well, think you it, could... It's a super rare game, and yeah. on the collector's market, it's like in the thousands now. It's, which is hilarious, because I was reading about it, and it's like... You had a selection of like patterns or colors to, to pre-color in these dinosaurs. Wait, 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 wait. Does it have good music? Because this I would be know, perfect. I don't know anything about color and dinosaurs. I'm music. looking up color and dinosaur next week. I'm telling you right now. I don't even know if it, it may not have even had music. Yeah, but it didn't have a lot of colors. Apparently, most of the things were a take on red and like various patterns of red. It oh, just sounds like a oh, really it's like old old computing colors where they didn't give you colors, they just give you patterns. Which yeah. is weird because this was an NES game too. Yeah, so it's which not had like color. they didn't have yeah. a palette available to them. Which just struck me as a weird kind of link. You start you dig deeper and you dig deeper and you start coming up with all this like nonsense that starts coming to the surface. So anyway, back to the game. This is the uh, th- like I said, there's four tracks on Caesar's Palace. And the, the one I picked is called Now Leaving Las Vegas. This is the one when you actually get on the bus and head out of town and you see the bus. And then the next thing is you actually see a big sign that says now leaving, like a road sign says now leaving Las Vegas. And I would, I would immediately cash in my chips just so I could listen to the song. Start the game, cash, cash in my out. chips, listen to the song. Cool. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not a very long song. It's only like 44 seconds long, but it's, it's a really, really solid one. So... From game, the Game Boy version of Caesar's Palace, this is now leaving Las Vegas.
Tommy Tallarico, this was like his first gig, and it was, was like, first, well, oh, you mean this, this, and this was like his tryouts, right? And then rather than so him they didn't getting credit him, yeah. Well, exactly, yeah. He said his first game that he worked on was um, Jordan Mechner's um, Prince of Persia. Yeah, he did okay. the Game Boy port of Prince of Persia. Hmm. So he sort of took the song that Jordan Mechner's dad had composed for Prince of Persia, and he rearranged it for the Game Boy, and also composed his own original stuff for it as well. That's a good so, way to learn it. By yeah. if you can uh, arrange something, then you f- familiarize yourself with how the chip works. And thank goodness that uh, whoever these these guys didn't basically take what uh, what's his name? It's David Hayes's um, NES version. Because, like I said, the the music on the NES version of Caesar's Palace is a mess. For so- somehow the Game Boy version just outshines it on all levels. Yeah. Well, we've talked about this before, though, yeah. in the whole stereo mono thing, right? Yeah. Because like. At the bare minimum, at least they at least would have had to make the song stereo. <laughs> yeah. Or just double the channels at least because, yeah, because Game Boy had stereo and NES didn't. So it's too bad the song is so short. Just as soon as you start to rock out to it, it it's over. And that's the thing. It's <laughs> like it was one of those songs that just looped forever, right? Okay. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, and but we were only hearing like a loop or two of it. That's a very, that's uh, very like an upbeat song for leaving Las Vegas on a bus. <laughs> on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because what happens is you 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 cash in, and then there's you there's like a sound effect of like a horn honking or something like that, or if it's like the bus, it's just a big yeah. It's kind of almost like that's your booby prize, that's your trombone wah wah <laughs> that you that you failed, and then yeah. you get to hear the upbeat song. But the best songs in the game were that one, the one when you stand outside and just look at the time temperature sign, and the uh, very beginning of the game where uh, the the cashier gives you your chips. What's the bad song? The bad song, there is one bad song in the game, and that's just the main, and it's not bad. It's just, it's the song when you're on the main floor. You see the floor plan, and you're looking at the various games you can play. And it's just this background, like, beat, kind of jazzy background thing. It's just a bassy background thing that doesn't really, it's not upbeat. It doesn't, it's not really catchy. You can't really sing along with it or anything like that. But uh, it's the least solid one in the game. And then, of course, when you're actually playing the games, there's no music. It's silence. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just sound Is effects. there sound effects? There's sound effects. Okay, yeah, well, it. at least you got that. Cards and things, the roulette table spinning, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because they give you these chips and you can like put it all out. You get to have like $1,000 chips all the way down to like $1 chips and they want you to like go around, spread your money around. But that's not the way you play. You walk in, it's like $2,000 on red. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's the whole game because yeah. I'm not going to split this up and bet $2. What yeah. are you talking about? If you lose, you just restart yeah. the game with $2,000 again. Exactly. Because... Apparently, Las Vegas is giving away free money. Yeah, I played the hell out of this game. Oh, I there guess you go. I didn't have a lot of games on the Game Boy at the time. I never would have thought that a gambling game on Game Boy would have been bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm shocked to hear that. Um, did you? So we mentioned before we started recording. Um, I'm more familiar with the Super Nintendo version, uh, Super Caesar's Palace. Is that yeah? What it's there's called? like a Super Caesar's Palace version. There, okay. like Caesar's Palace was one of How those did ones this that game got ported like around. A franchise? <laughs> it got ported around. There was actually Caesar's Palace games all the way up to like the Game Boy Advance even had a Caesar's Palace. Oh wow! Well, there's always game, yeah. been a market, especially in the earlier days, for gambling games like this. I now, guess because it was a more adult. Yeah, nowadays uh, it's all products and stuff. Now there's websites people go to to gamble exactly. if they want to do that. Pokerstars.net exactly. instead of your uh, Caesar's Palace, the video game. But I remember um, playing gambling games as far back as Coleco, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was stuff on Atari as well. But I played. Uh, um, what's his name? There was, there's, there was a famous dealer or, or poker player or, or something blackjack. And it was like Ken so-and-so's blackjack. <laughs> and people may remember like Hoyle's card games as well, which was a very famous, uh, PC series, the Hoyle card game series, which yeah. was a lot of poker and blackjack and that kind of stuff. 
And so if you have a, um, a franchise like Caesar's Palace, which is established and, and, and decent for what the genre is, I'm not surprised that it continued its its legacy into the next generation. It's just yeah. funny to me that they were like, hey, Super Nintendo, so what are we making? Super, Super Caesar's Palace. Well, what's funny is like, I don't know, even as a kid, uh, maybe this is why I got the game is that I knew about Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. Well, because it, pop culture, right? Yeah, just it's, movies it's just a pop culture. Stuff, it's a famous yeah. casino that's based on like ancient Rome and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, Have you ever been to Caesar's Palace to see how it compares to the game? You when, should go to Caesar's Palace with your Game Boy and be like... <laughs> and leave on a oh. bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you should go in and be like, this game says I get $2,000 in free chips. <laughs> yeah. I think that my... Because the only time I've been to Vegas, I think we went there when I was like two years old and uh, my parents may have taken me to Caesar's Palace, but I certainly don't remember that. Maybe that was like embedded. It made it like such yeah. an early formative memory. Yeah, that, uh, that you were like, ooh, Caesar's yeah, Palace the game. Palace. Something about this speaks to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, Super Caesar's Palace of the Game Boy. So I'm going to go next. regular Caesar's Palace. There wasn't sorry, even sorry, not that. Super Caesar's <laughs> Palace. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was just regular Caesar's mm-hmm. Palace. That's right. Uh, I'll go next, and I'm going, I'm jumping all the way to the GameCube PS2 era with a little game called Sonic Heroes. And uh, so this game, I don't know if you don't know it, um, this was kind of the sequel to uh, Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. Um, considered a better game um, than those, but still not a great game. And um, A better game? Because there's a lot of love for Sonic Adventure out there. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, there, Sonic Adventure was broken in a lot of ways. And a lot, I think the thing that people hated the most about Sonic Adventure was that it wasn't Sonic, right? It wasn't mm. running fast down paths. It was like... Hey, go like beat up these bosses, and you know it was yeah, more yeah. of a more of a. It was an adventure a, game, an adventure game yeah. than a yeah than a sort high of, speed running sideways game. Yeah, it had a lot more to do with all the characters too, rather than just Sonic and the traditional Sonic stuff. Because what I liked about two was like you could play as Knuckles and all these other yeah random characters, and it didn't feel like a real Sonic game. But yeah, you know. so Sonic Heroes um, kind of carried that forward, but then brought back kind of the high speed running elements. So this is where um, I don't think it's the first instance, but um, it might be uh, of basically running forward instead of sideways. So you're still running down these courses, but you're seeing things coming in 3D towards you. And uh, what it is, is you're playing um, one of four teams of three and you can switch between the characters on the fly. So the, uh, there's the classic like Sonic Knuckles Tails and then there's like the shadow and then the, the sexy bat one. Rouge? Is it Rouge? Might I think be. it's Rouge. Yeah, and then someone else. Oh, the like shadow. a robot, some the robot. Yeah, one. Shadow, the Bat One, and Robot, Rouge, and the some robot. And then there's like the bad guys, which is like a crocodile and a bee, and, and something that looks like Sonic with like a horn on its face. Wouldn't and then there is like the then, then there's the cutesy ones, which are like the it's the the pink one, the pink hedgehog that look, that wants to be Sonic's wife. <laughs> and like and like this little like cutesy one and then this giant furry one anyway does robotnik <laughs> not even appear in this game robotnik or? is in the game um but uh yeah so basically you're playing you get you were playing as these teams of three and switching between the characters on the fly and they all have different powers so like basically like for the uh, r- regular three sonic is just super fast um and then tails can still fly and so he like sometimes there'll be a platform like off to the side that you can like basically you grab onto the other two and like fly them up to the platform. And then sometimes uh, there'll be like a box in your way and then you switch to knuckles and you just punch through the box. So, <laughs> what, how, what um, is it? How does it go? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like the rock and sock em action. You do. Yeah, People listening yeah. Can't, can't actually see that. <laughs> but, we need to duck it out of the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
So yeah, that's this game. So it actually reviewed pretty well just because it was more back to Sonic's roots. Um, but the thing that makes this game terrible are it's actually it's two things. Number one, the camera's terrible. Like the flying sideways with tails and stuff. Like you try and turn the camera to see what you're going towards, and you can't. It like it's all it's all over the place. They it's really even broken. Have a moving camera in that game if it's pretty much on rails. Yeah, anyways. exactly. Yeah, it was awful. And then the second part uh, was the so the cutscenes are actually really cool. Like for th- CG cutscenes at the time it came out were really good. So it's all Sonic making out with humans and no, no, no. There was none of that weirdness yet. But it was just like it was the characters and like the story details all came out in the cutscenes. But the voice acting is atrocious it's so bad especially tails like tails is so goddamn annoying like you can't even listen to it like (laughs) i was listening to it today just to like refresh my memory and i was like oh my god i forgot how bad this was like because sometimes as a kid right you just like ignore things like bad voice acting Mm -hmm. but then you like go back as an adult you're like wow this is like this is like they asked some intern to come in here and do these voice lines because they couldn't get a voice actor. Well, Tails is uh, normally voiced by a, a female. Was that the case here? Was it? It might be, or this... it might be like a prepubescent boy trying to okay. do his best <laughs> female impression. Like it's, <laughs> it's so bad. It wasn't the the classic Tails voice that we have now. It was someone different. Yeah, or... it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like the cartoon Tails voice or anything, which was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's some something else. Like I'll play it for hey, you later. Back in the day, asking the intern or somebody grabbing somebody out in the hall and saying, "Record a voice for this." thing was like super common yeah practice. i know but this is like gamecube ps2 yeah, yeah. this isn't like nes yeah, like weird like we're, we're walking walking yeah. to a guitar store and find tommy talarico this is this <laughs> is uh this is like yeah we should be past this we should yeah. be hiring voice actors so anyway so that's uh that's what makes this game bad but what makes this game good is the main theme sonic heroes mm. done by jun jun sen i'm gonna say jun senoyu I don't know. I'm hard. I'm bad with Japanese, but Jun Senoyu and his band called Crush 40, which is a great name for a band. <laughs> I like it. Uh, they had uh, like an American lead singer uh, who does the vocals for the Sonic Heroes main theme, and uh, it's fantastic. So let's give it a listen, and then we'll talk about a little bit of stuff after. Sonic Adventure games all had lyrics because uh, they came before this one, but um, 
some of the more classic ones that I remember were from Sonic Adventure 2. Um, I, I, we, we covered one in October. I had that. Do you remember the, the rapper guy that yes. had his own YouTube page? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was like the pumpkin. Yeah, Pumpkin, pumpkin Hill, Hill from Sonic Adventure 2. And that was uh, a rapper that... Right, 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> he like wrote all his own uh, lyrics from the perspective of being Knuckles. But yeah, almost no video game song with lyrics is good. But this one is the exception because <laughs> it's so good. But but I find with the Sonic songs, um, the songs that have lyrics like the one we just listened to, um, they always, to me, they always have a quality of they're so bad, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> it's that like, again, back to like Kung Fury trapped in a time period kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's almost a parody of music at the time, which makes it awesome. It, it, it holds up because yeah. of that. You know, yeah. and that's that's kind of how I feel about this. It's like so bad. It's good. Yeah. Like uh, it's just to me, this just screams like late 90s, early 2000s cartoon theme. And yeah. that's why I love it, because like that, that was when I was like, you know, I was still in like junior high or whatever. So I still loved like Saturday morning cartoons and I would go get my big bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. And like this would be the theme song <laughs> to my favorite cartoon. Right. So that's great. Uh, so, yeah, that's you, what that's you, what I love. This. You, you paint a good picture. I want to go back to that time where I can just. Yeah, Saturday morning cartoons there's and cereal. A, there's a new Ducktales coming out next year. So, yeah, you know, all right. Is I'll there back a new that. cartoon? Yeah, brand new uh, Ducktales cartoon. Oh, that's cool. Are they going to so get Ducktales fans? Are all the voices? Are all the guys still alive? Um, no. Uh, Alan Young, the voice of Scrooge, passed right? Away he just recently. passed away recently. Yeah. And June Foray, I don't. She didn't. She was magic to spell. She didn't pass away, but she's like on the verge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she's way too old to do yeah. it. But anyway, so I imagine new voices. Yeah, but uh, back to Sonic Heroes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, I gotta say though, like so, I played this game. I rented this game when I was younger, and totally forgot about it. And then Smash Bros. Brawl came out on the Wii, and that came out like kind of middle of Wii's life about. So um, this came out GameCube, PS2 era. Um, one of the things people mentioned was it ran a lot better on the Cube than on the PS2. It just it was really framey, I guess, on the PS2. Um, cause it, I guess it was just bad port, but, um, I'd forgotten about this game, forgotten about this theme song. And then, uh, there was the Sonic level in smash bros with the, like the middle of the section. It was like one of the loops that you go around in Sonic. One and of the, the green hill zones, right? Yeah. And then the middle could like fall away. It could break away. If you hit it hard enough, it would like drop down. And this song was like, we were playing it one time and this song came on and I was like, I remember this song. And then we set it so that you, in Brawl, you could like set the songs, like the frequency of how often they would play. So we set it to just the song. So every time we hear the Sonic, like we would just play random. That's but the every equivalent time, of setting it to be the DK rap every single every, time. Yeah, every single which line. I also did. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, so this is, this is, I love this song. And uh, I think it's a great song in in what is otherwise a mediocre game. What could have been a, a probably a pretty good game or even a great game if it hadn't been for the voice acting in the camera. But <laughs> yeah, there were worse Sonic games. So that's yes, okay. there were. That's but true. The, in in the in the pantheon of Sonic games, this probably falls somewhere in the middle. But uh, maybe the music wasn't as good as this one. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. this one this one some of the best. <laughs> some of the best with vocals. I don't know. I, I really do love the Sonic 2 soundtrack. So <laughs> I hear Sonic 06 is the worst one. And I've even seen on uh, Sonic's official Twitter account uh, him, <laughs> him addressing the fact that, you know, it's something that, that's currently happening is bad, but it's not Sonic 06 bad. So. <laughs> Donald Trump won, but it's not Sonic 06. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. All right. Well, so that's it for songs. Uh, and then it's on to what I have been playing. And... Uh, 
What have you been playing? There you go. <laughs> and uh, what what I, cheap game have you been playing there, Mike? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. So I haven't been playing anything but Overwatch. I haven't had a um, in the last week. I haven't actually had a ton of time to game, um, or the last time since we recorded, I guess. And uh, all the time I have had, I've I've spent in Overwatch uh, competitive season three. Opened up. I pl- I did all my rank matches. Got ranked. Got a lot so lower I. than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll go into this quickly. Uh, do you want to just tell people what okay, you're doing? Do you after your placement matches? Uh, do you know what your uh, yeah? So score okay. Was? So here's the weird thing. So my placement matches last season. I think I had like six wins, a draw, and three losses, which would be ten. Mm-hmm. And I ranked to like twenty five hundred or something. Like I was, I ranked high, mm-hmm. and. Uh, or 20, no, it was 2,400, and then I worked my way up to 2,566 was the top I ever achieved, and that got me up to uh, platinum status, Mm. which is pretty good. And then this time, eight wins, two draws, 1,650. So they changed something between the the seasons is is totally different, and I guess it's based, somebody, I was bitching about it last night online, and somebody was saying that it is based quite heavily on what you ranked to last season but i was like i did really good last season so <laughs> i don't know why it ranks so low but anyway i didn't play last season and me and you never never the twain will meet in uh in competitive, this competitive yeah. season especially since uh we were we were attempting to rank a little lower this time <laughs> i uh aaron's I, trying to see how low he could go yeah, basically after the placement matches want to see like how badly we could do and actually get in there so it's like I admit we were we were tanking matches as hard as we could, <laughs> and you're running out there, and it's funny because you're playing a character like Zarya or something like that, who you can like see her energy stream going out, so you actually see all the time when she's firing where her shots are going, and you're running out there, people are running towards you, and you're like drawing a circle around them, but you can't actually hit these people. <laughs> so you're a stormtrooper. It, it's funny, but you're playing in such low, air, like you're playing with such low level people generally, and they're so bad. It's like you're standing, you're standing there, and you're thinking. Watching people from like a rise or something like that, you're thinking, I could wipe out this whole team right now, but I can't. I better just jump in there and like start shooting at people's feet or something. <laughs> but, so it was out of 10 matches, we accidentally won one. So nine losses, there you one go. win. And I came in at 864. See, okay, so there you go. That's insane. <laughs> you lost nine matches, won one, and you're only half the rank of me, not losing a single match, but drawing two. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they draw those in there, but uh, between the three of us who were actually trying to do very badly, I I think I came in the worst. I think the next one up was about twelve hundred, actually like that. And we were trying to do bad, and they still got twelve hundred, and I got. I wonder if you'll be able to like rank down to zero, just like consecutively. uh, Speaking of like people who were originally started this, like Hanjo and his crew of Hanjoites. Oh, this is like a thing online. Oh, you you know about Hanjo, right? No. Oh, a lot of this movement came from this guy who was like wanted to play as badly as possible, see how low he could get in competitive seasons. So he almost adopted his persona. He'd play as Hanzo, and he'd, like, type really poorly in the chat. He'd say, I Hanjo. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you'd get this I Hanjo guy. And, of course, now it became a big meme, and everybody does it. You get these people who are just I Hanjo all over the place. But this guy and his one of his partners, they recently hit rank one. So they actually finally got down to the lowest, the lowest possible you can get in season three. And I assume there's people that want to play this team and out, <laughs> I guess, unrank them or yeah. get get it's, the it's, new number one it's slot. It's funny because that's the thing is like there's a race to the top and now there's a race to the bottom as well. Yeah. So who can be the worst team? Who can be the best? And the thing, and when we're on these teams, and you're in placement and you're playing very, very badly. Sometimes you can tell. You can tell there are people on the other team yeah. who are uh, you know actually trying to throw the match. And the trick is to like 
appear that you're trying to do well, but well, nobody wants just, to play against somebody that looks like they're throwing it. So the yeah. fun is trying to, you know, yeah. But you end up in these in these low tiers where essentially everybody's trying to throw the match uh, anyway. So it's uh, I, I do I do feel bad and apologize for those of you in the low ranks who are actually putting in some sort of effort. Yeah, I but, like Aaron. <laughs> He's a good friend of mine, but <laughs> this in my opinion, makes him a terrible person. Because, <laughs> like, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the seething hate that would flow through me if I encountered someone who I knew was trying to throw a match. Like, you better act well, because if I know you're trying to throw a match, I'm going to, like, come to your house and murder you. That's <laughs> like, exactly is it that we have a totally different approach to online gaming is that I'm not, I'm, I'm not a super player competitive ever. player. Yeah. I, I'm there to, like, goof around and have fun and if winning the match comes with goofing around and having fun then so be it but if losing the match means more fun then i'm gonna lose that match so <laughs> it's a good philosophy for life too i find you know mike you're trying really really hard and you're only getting so far and then yeah. there's aaron who's like eh. he's having fun anyway yeah, he's getting fair quite, enough. quite pretty far for what you're doing <laughs> fair enough but uh actually i have um in overwatch i have to mention that i've actually so because i'm trying to be more competitive um I've managed to find a few people online um, and, uh, you know, friend them after matches and stuff. And uh, one person in particular, Trix, um, was this uh, person I found online. And we've been playing, like, every night. And, like, this is some random person, never met them in my life. But they play Mercy, like, unbelievably. Like, one of the best Mercy players I've encountered. And every time I play with her, she just kills it. Kills it. And I'm like, I'm so grateful. So like, this is like, just shout a, out to shout tricks. Shout out to tricks. Shout out to tricks. But tricks this is just like a good, uh, like a good, you know, story online, like a positive story. Cause so <laughs> many of our stories online are like terrible, right? Like you, you encounter so much saltiness and so much like, uh, what do they call it now? Toxicity. Yeah. Um, is the term I hear people thrown around all and the time, but it's just like this, this is the opposite of that. And I'm just, I want to share these messages because there is that out there, which is there's great. A, there's a lot more of the bad stuff. It feels like, but if you can find the good stuff, like it is out there. And yeah. so every now and then you that find message. that diamond of the rough and exactly. that, that is great. And I do have to mention that. I mean, I don't when in my whole tanking and overwatch competitive season, yeah. <laughs> I don't feel bad if I'm against like those toxic, salty, Oh yeah. Total, like the jerks who are just like all over it in chat. But if you want to make me stop, I feel absolutely guilty if people are like being sincere in chat and they're like, we tried our best. Good job, guys. You know, they're really encouraging and all this kind of stuff. That's what makes me feel bad. But yeah. like the saltier and more toxic yeah, you the are, more you the more you want to throw I'm them going to yeah. tank you. No, so. I totally makes sense. Um, and then so, but because that's all I've been playing uh, and that doesn't really work good for the giveaway, uh, what I'm going to mention is a game um, that I played a little while ago, but is a great indie game, and it's a great um, four-player co-op game, which uh, me, Jordan, and Aaron, occasionally we have game nights, and one of the things we're looking for is uh, multiplayer, one-screen multiplayer games, which which are few and far between now in, in the, you know, in the major games market, but are well healthy and well in the indies game scene and this game called lethal league is great it's uh so it's this game it's kind of like a, a mix between like squash and baseball and dodgeball so basically <laughs> the idea is um there's a baseball and there's up to four players on screen and the first person just like hits it and it it goes at a speed and it kind of ricochets off the off the walls and stuff and if it comes towards you um, you have two options. You can either just hit it or you can do what's called a stall. So it kind of like bounces it up into the air and then you hit it. So you get like a better, better hit on it. 
and uh, and you can like charge your shot. So like you kind of have to time it as it's coming towards you. You have to be charging and then let go just as it comes like within your swing radius. And every time you hit it, it speeds up. So it gets more and more difficult and people get eliminated and it's just basically last man standing and you just keep going and going and going. And it is a ton of fun. It is so good. And uh, it's one of those games where like even when you're not playing, like the level in the room just keeps getting louder and louder and louder. <laughs> and then everyone just like dies laughing on the last one because usually it's crazy, right? And, uh, you know, it's a, you know, because you see it and it's just, it's going like a million miles an hour. And you think there's no way the guy's going to hit it. And then he hits it and everyone, Whoa! And it's, it's like so a good. good spectator sport. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> spectator sport. So Lethal oh. League. So that's... Um, that's a great little four-player co-op game if, if any of you guys are looking for something on screen. It's on Steam. It's cheap. Um, I think we picked it up in a sale, and uh, but I think even full price, it's like maybe $15, $20. So um, that's a great one. And the, the characters are like weird and funny, and they have all these skins, and like one of them is just a guy with a giant like smiley face head, and there's all sorts of weirdness nice. about this game, but it's yeah. great. It's a lot of fun. So what I think me, Jordan, and Ariel will pull it out on the next one, but... Yeah, so that rolls perfectly into the contest. So that's the game uh, we're going to add into yeah, for the contest. I don't imagine we want to pick any Kusoge games for... Yeah, uh, yeah no one would really want a terrible game that you couldn't have. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, exactly. Games like that. We'll, get, we'll, we'll find some good games for the, for the exactly. prize. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have uh, the Lara Croft and what is the... It's not... Temp- sorry, what's the game you're playing? Rise of the Tomb Raider? Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yes. That's the one I was talking about. Or... Uh, Oh, that's what we added last you time. You want to mention the other one? You're, well, you're I was playing? I, did I mention it? I'm no, not sure we, I did. Okay. We haven't talked about that. Because that's one that we could actually uh, get for people too if we wanted to add that. What was um, that? Is uh, Lara Croft Go. Oh, okay. Which, uh, you know, I, because I was playing Tomb Raiders on a Tomb Raider kick, so I picked up Lara Croft Go, which is a mobile game ported to a PC, and it's like a puzzle game starring Lara Croft. So it's, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the Go series of games. Yes, so there's been Hitman, uh, Hitman Go, and, and Lara Croft, and uh, Deus Ex. Yeah. So, I mean, if you know the Go series, I mean, that's a, a fun little diversion. Yeah, so. all right. Yeah, so uh, so uh, why not? We'll add that one, too. It's not even Aaron's turn to talk. We're just going to start <laughs> adding games to the pile. Why not? I want to so, add that instead of uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider because it's it's cheaper. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, we already said, so we can't, we can't pull, go back on that now. But uh, but that one, the stipulation on that one was it has to be on sale during the winter sale. Yeah. <laughs> was for Rise that of the Tomb Raider. That was the rule. That one had a rule attached to yeah, it. Yeah, so. so, but if you want no rules attached, uh, you can get Lara Croft Go or now Lethal League. So, and uh, to enter the contest, same as always, just retweet any of the three tweets that came out about the podcast on your service of choice, iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Uh, and bonus entry, leave us a review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So that's it for part two. Of episode 11. See, I didn't screw it up that time. No. Uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what you tweet, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> of the Kosuge. No, right? No. no. Kusoge. No. God damn. <laughs> Can't get out of it without one mess up. Kosuge. Ko- Kusoge. You got it wrong again. Kusoge. Yeah, Man, there you go. I don't know. I, I'm not good with the Japanese. <laughs> I'm never gone. <laughs> but uh, that's it for this uh, episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah.